Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Live from downtown San Francisco, this is 95.7 The Game. And a good morning to one and all. Welcome to Warriors this week alongside Evan Giddings. This is Dan Devon on a Saturday morning in which the Warriors pulled within one game once again of 500 following their win last night over the hapless and the worst team statistically in the NBA, that being the Detroit Pistons. It was not easy as they squeak out a 113-109 to victory. As I mentioned now, just a game under 500. And sort of putting that bad taste, at least for now, after that stunning loss at the hands of the Denver Nuggets, having to go back-to-back after that emotional loss to Denver. Again, the win last night against the Detroit Pistons. The homestand continues tomorrow as they take on the Toronto Raptors, a sub-500 basketball team, and then wrap things up with a date against the Pelicans. 113-109 is the final score. Ev, let's just bring you in. Following that victory or that loss, I should say, at the hands of Denver, this was a game, I think, to be expected back-to-back and sort of low energy throughout, but they did what they had to do, beating a team that had won only three times this year, handling the Pistons, albeit not a high-energy performance, but they'll take it any way they can get it these days. Yeah, I mean, that's kind of where the Warriors are at. They survived. Uh, They escaped. And to do that against a three-win basketball team, I I was looking for post-game kind of reasons to feel a little bit warm, feel a little bit mellow about a performance that was pretty sleepy, especially in that first half. Like, Dario Saric, I think, was the leading scorer for the Warriors at the break. Kaminga was the best player on the floor. But offensively, they just had nothing going. I think the teams combined started out one of 17 from three. Like, both sides did not really show up to play, and I thought that the Pistons either dragged the Warriors down into the mud with them or the Warriors played down to the Pistons' level. But then, in typical Warriors fashion, they begin to figure it out in the second half, and they build themselves an 11-point lead with about eight minutes to go. And then in typical Warriors fashion, it evaporates to the point where the Pistons actually had a lead with a minute and 41 seconds left in the basketball game, and it took Stephen Curry closing this thing out for the Warriors to walk out of there with a win. But I I will say, I think you're right in the sense that is a necessary win. You cannot lose that basketball game. If they did, uh, there'd be a very different tone to the beginning of the show. And coming off the gut punch of a loss against Denver, at the very least, he got back into the win column with a chance now the rest of the homestand to either climb to 500 or potentially above. So from that, from a macro perspective, it's not like the sky is falling, but I'm sure a lot of fans, whether you're watching that game or whether you're in attendance, certainly didn't feel good about it, especially when Chris Paul goes down with a fractured hand. Um, the comments from Jonathan Kaminga earlier yesterday, which I'm sure we'll dig into and were discussed after the game, but a whole heck of a lot happened both on and off the court yesterday, and it didn't really make you feel 
exactly um, optimistic about the Warriors removing the stench that was that Denver Nuggets game. Well, I don't. I wasn't necessarily surprised. I think that was to be expected. Mm. Personally, when you think about not only the intensity of that game, but the emotion, the way they lost. And the fact, let's face it, this is an older basketball team, and referring, of course, to the Golden State Warriors. And that went right down to the nub. So everybody was in that contest going right up until the fourth quarter. And I just don't think, not only physically, when you go back-to-back, typically you'd like to play a team like Detroit first, and then you have you know your bigger opponent, that being Denver, on the back end. But it was sort of inverted in this homestand. And there you knew that there was the air had gone out of the room and there was just not going to be very much left in the emotional tank. And it looked like that predominantly throughout. In fact, you know, I'm not a big betting man these days, but I think the line was 10 and I was like, I need to jump on that because I just didn't feel as though the Warriors just simply didn't have a lot, both physically and emotionally to play basketball last night against the Detroit Pistons. Again, on the heels of a back to back after what it is they experienced in losing at the buzzer to Jokic and the Denver Nuggets. I'm going to say this, just as sort of a theme to kick off the entire show, and welcome to Warriors this week once again, alongside Evan Giddings and Stan Devone. Uh, It is early. And I say that because we have to reiterate that this is still early January. We still got a whole month, maybe about five weeks into the trade deadline. There's a lot of basketball to be played. And just to keep things in perspective, and I know there's been a lot of ebb and flow, and we've been all over the place with his Golden State Warriors season to date. But the Warriors, if the season were to end, are going to be in the playing game, all right? They're the 10th seed. They're the 10th seed. And obviously, for a team that has, you know, the stakes are much higher, and obviously they aspire to do much more than just get into a playing game. But just keeping things in perspective, the Warriors at the 10th seed right now and under five hundred are not necessarily in a bad position, considering you're going to get what I think is your second-best player back in Draymond Green, when that happens, it could be imminent within the next week. But again, we're all sort of in the dark, having no idea when his return will be. But I think with his return and the infusion of the youth, that if nothing else, have gotten an opportunity to play, and we could dive into Jonathan Kaminga, and obviously all the drama surrounding him and him not playing in the last 18 minutes in that loss to Denver. But with the youth and with Draymond Green and all these moving parts that we've witnessed throughout the majority of the first half of this season of the first quarter of this campaign, I think only bodes well for this team going forward. And again, being within a game of 500 in the 10th seed with everything that dealt with, with including what is statistically the most difficult schedule in the NBA, and now we'll have the easiest schedule from here on out. I think that it could be when we're looking at the season going forward, there could be a high level of optimism. But again, I understand it. The bar being what it is here because it's the Bay Area and it's the Golden State Warriors that we do these shows and everybody feels as though it's Armageddon at the season and the world's coming to an end tomorrow. But I think realistically, if we were to just to take a step back and let's all breathe together, that things are not all that bad. Ev, when you consider with the Golden States, what they've been through and just sort of taking an optimistic look at the at the future, the immediate future ahead. Yeah, and I think what you're talking about is is tempering expectations. And whether you did it before the season or whether you've been kind of forced to temper expectations by the roller coaster ride that's been the first boy, 35 games. I mean, we got a little under 50 left in the season. We got a long ways to go. Um 
and it does feel like there's going to be some change coming at some point. Of course, whether it's the return of an injury, you still got Draymond out and definitely suspended. Chris Paul is going to miss extended time. GP2's already out for an extended period of time. So whether you get reinforcements from internal um, sources or whether the Golden State Warriors got to make a trade, and I'm sure we'll talk about that at some point throughout the show as well, I, I am kind of with you. Like, the Warriors are a game below 500. And if you told me that at 17 and 18, the Warriors would be missing Draymond for over half of the season, Chris Paul is going to be on the shelf, and GP2 is going to have played and not made much of an impact just because of injuries, um, I probably would be disappointed. But I would also say that's not worst-case scenario. And it's really been because I think of the play of Curry, at times the play of Clay, at times the play of Kaminga, at times the play of Pajemski, at times the play of different players. You know, Curry, I, I think last night was kind of symbolic of where the Warriors are at as a franchise, with it, which is if Steph has a good game and if Steph plays well down the stretch of games, the Warriors are probably going to win, or they're certainly going to be in the game. But you look at the game against Denver, and even though they built an 18-point lead in that fourth quarter, whether the Kaminga played or not, I think a big reason why the Warriors couldn't hold on to that game is because Steph was 0-5 down the final five minutes and got you two free throws, and that was about it. So the Warriors are so reliant on Stephen Curry, and he has largely this season been able to hold up his end of the bargain. But if he doesn't, and he didn't for a lot of the game against Detroit, I thought that you know it was it was a tough back-to-back. He's older. Um, Clay was 2 of 9 in the first half. I think Curry only hit 1-3 in the first half. But then he woke up down the stretch and they were able to pull away. So, you know, the Warriors find themselves in a lot of those basketball games. I think that was the 28th clutch game they've played this year, which is by far away the most in the NBA. So it, it wasn't necessarily a shock that that game happened. But I, you, you got to give me this, though, Dan. I think it was a little surprising to see it against the Pistons. Like, the Pistons are a team that do play teams tough. And I know, what, they took Boston to overtime and lost... Um, they've had some tight affairs, even though they're a 31 loss team now at this point, but that, that was a game the Warriors should have controlled, but came out extremely flat. And maybe like you're saying that was expected because it was a back to back. Um, but I, I, to me, you know, it, it was a win. It, it sure wasn't a good win. Well, to put it in somewhat perspective, so the Denver Nuggets, which I think is the best team in the NBA, despite I think they're the number three seed right now in the Western conference, but I think for all intents and purposes, when you look at their starting lineup and, of course, the defending NBA champs, that, to me, is the one with the asterisk that everybody's pointing at, that the NBA championship is, or at least the road to get to the finals, is going to go through Denver. But just to put it in some perspective, they were in the back-to-back, and they were back at home against Orlando, and they got beat by Orlando last night. Mm-hmm. So, again, I think both teams left a lot on the floor out of chase of what it was we experienced in what was just an epic contest. And I, look, that's a tough, tough loss, and we should get into that loss. We could talk more about Detroit, but again, that's one of those that it's the Pistons, it's the worst team in the NBA, and they come in with three wins on the season. There's no – you don't take anybody for granted, but when it's the Pistons, you expect to win that contest. Well, but, I mean, I think that's fair, though, because you're talking about, like, if – I think it was the way that they lost the Denver game that hurt so badly that kind of mars maybe what was a necessary win. But if you're telling me you go – Two and one against Orlando, Denver, and Detroit. You'd probably take that at face value, right? Yeah, and again, the Denver game. Why I think it's it's important for all of us to just breathe a little bit 
is that you didn't win. But again, what I think is the best starting five and what could be an epic starting five, we'll see. History will tell just how many championships these guys win. But the Warriors had a commanding lead. And in fact, all three games this year against what I think is the benchmark in the NBA, the Warriors have been right there. And you can make an argument, should have won all three games. And certainly, the game that they played the other night was was right there for the taking. And to squander an 18-point lead, I know it hurts. And I didn't take calls. I wasn't working the post game, or I haven't been on 95-7 the game over the last couple of days. But I'm sure there was a lot of criticism and there was a lot of sense of, you know, this is, this is not a good basketball team and what the hell is going on. But really, if you were to step back and sort of take the, you know, the glasses half full, you had a commanding lead over the best team in the NBA. And I get it. You know, you got to find a way to close things and not winning that game is problematic. But still, uh, you're playing well against the best that the NBA has to offer. And to be where you're at right now, there are a lot of worse scenarios that you could be in. And I think Golden State, with the youth and with all these moving parts, including the return of Draymond Green, could be in store for some good things when you think about the second half of this campaign. But just to revisit that game, and you talked about Steph Curry, and I wanted to start here, and I want to get your thoughts. Look, at Steph is, I don't even need to go here, right? He's arguably top five player, top ten of all time. Uh, in my estimation, and, and there's, a lo- there's, a, there's a couple of variables and a couple of reasons why they lost that game and, and why I believe they squandered that lead late in the contest. First and foremost to me, Steph Curry uh, lost that game for them. And I it agree. wasn't because of the turnover. That certainly had a lot to do with it. Steph Curry shot... He shot early and ill-advised shots in the clock late in the contest on numerous possessions. Now, if you want to get back into a ball game and you're trailing late by double digits, that's the quickest way to let someone back in. If you come down on the clock, shoot something from long distance and you're double or triple teamed and it leads to a run out or a transition basket the other way and you do that on a couple of occasions... That's the quickest way to allow a team to get back into a contest. And Steph Curry not only did that once, but he did that on multiple occasions. And I think that part of that was because Steph got bottled up by KCP, who has done a good job defensively on him this year, as well as Gordon, who also got up in his face and disturbed Steph. And I think Steph felt as though he had it going. It got a little personal with him towards the end. And as a result, he tried to get into one of those, I'm going to take over, and didn't involve the offense. And he just pounded the rock, kept the ball, shot it early, and shot it ill-advised, and that allowed Detroit to get into it, not to mention the turnover late in the contest. And I think Denver did a good job of getting into his head defensively, but if you were to ask me, why did they lose? You don't do this often. Matter of fact, it might be the only time that I've ever pointed a finger at Steph Curry, but late in the contest... If I had to choose and somebody threw me up against a wall and said, you know, give me one reason, it would have been Steph. Yeah, I mean, I, that's why I said that I think Curry's their most important player. Like, when he plays well, they are in basketball games. I think they're 11-4 and four now when he scores 30 points or more. And do the math when he doesn't score 30 points. Like, if Steph is not shouldering the offensive load on a given night, the Warriors are not going to win basketball games. So I'm with you that the tail end of that Denver game was one that, I looked at Curry and said he 
and he just wasn't able to close it. But I also think that if we're going to do finger pointing, like there's a lot of blame that sure. can be handed out. Anytime you blow an 18 or 16 point lead in seven minutes, uh, it's not just on one guy. That's on the head coach. It's on Curry. It's on Clay. It's on guys not rebounding. I mean, they gave up like seemingly four offensive rebounds down the stretch of that game. Aaron Gordon had 15 points in the fourth quarter, and it was largely on plays at the rim. Like, Denver got whatever they wanted. And I'm with you. I think Denver is the best team in basketball, and I expect them to be back there competing for a championship this season, even though that's a very difficult thing to do. Um, But similar to Christmas Day, and it was a little bit of a different script. The Warriors, I thought, fought a lot harder throughout the totality of the Christmas Day game against Denver because the other night, I mean, the Warriors did give up 70 first-half points. Like, that was a season high. They were not good defensively in the first half, and then you know, lit them up in the third. But, you know, I just think that they were caught in a position, like, this is the way I looked at it. When the Warriors were on top and when they were competing for titles, that game is what they did to other teams. It wasn't a matter of if the Warriors' barrage was going to come to fruition. It was a matter of when. And Denver, I haven't watched all of their games this year, but they strike me as a team that knows when they can lock in and when they can't. And the Warriors, even though they have championship pedigree or they have championship-type players, right now they're a sub-500 basketball team. And that is what happens to sub-500 basketball teams that right now are kind of mired in mediocrity. You leave yourself susceptible if you don't close the door against a title contender like Denver. So while I think that overall the Warriors probably, like I didn't expect them to win that game, we should be like I don't know what we should be shocked at any at any point now with the Warriors because that was the fourth lead that they've blown of eighteen or more points, and while they've bounced back and won each of the next games, nothing is off the table for me. And that's why last night when Bogdan Bogdanovich hit a three pointer with a minute forty left and the the Pistons went up, everyone in the crowd was shocked, and I was looking around like why? I mean, like this is a team that has consistently blown leads that has been unable to step on opponents' throats all season long. doesn't matter if they're great. doesn't matter if they're bad. The Warriors right now have an issue with closing out basketball games, and that's just a fact. Yeah, and I think it's a lot like like a lot of things in, in professional sports is that once it creeps in between your ears, it sort of stays there for a while. And I think it's in their head and maybe resonating in the back of their minds that when you have a big lead – there's a level of expectation that, oh, no, this is going to get tight because we haven't been able to close the door in these sort of scenarios. So I, I do want to revisit that, that Denver game because I think that that's sort of the focal point of the week. Welcome to Warriors this week, by the way. Evan Giddings and Dan Avon have got you covered for the next couple of hours. The Warriors coming off a four-point victory over Detroit last night to pull within a game of 500. The Warriors will conclude the homestand with dates against the Pelicans coming up next week. And then on Sunday, they've got the Toronto Raptors, the Raptors, who have been playing well, as have the New York Knicks since the big trade of OG Ananobi headed to New York in exchange for R.J. Barrett and Emmanuel Quigley going to Toronto as Warrior fans will get an opportunity to see those two gentlemen up close and personal, as well as... Pascal Siakam will be here. I know there's been a lot of conjecture that potentially he could be involved in a Warrior trade, and we'll mm. see. That trade deadline is still a month away, although according to Toronto, they'd like to to make something happen or potentially pull the trigger a lot sooner than February They nearly traded February him 5th. to Sacramento. Uh, that, was, that was something like they were the front runner for Siakam, and then as of yesterday, late, 
uh, down in the media room, everyone was, everyone was discussing the fact that the Kings are allegedly out on Siakam, so that would leave the door open for the Warriors if they'd like. But let's just stay with that Denver game because mm-hmm. I think that there's there's a lot to get into because there's some carryover, obviously, with Jonathan Kaminga and the fact that he didn't play. Um, I would Before we get into Kaminga, as we continue, I pointed a finger at Steph Curry, and some people can disagree, but if someone was to ask me, pick one thing as to why they lost. I, it was Steph Curry's play towards the end of that game and especially culminated with that turnover in the last possession for the Warriors. But also, Steve Kerr, as you mentioned, he's got to take responsibility. But the second thing I would point out, it's just personnel, Ev, is that when I look at Denver, you can't double Jokic. And it was clear that the Warriors' plan was not to do that. They were just going to let Jokic eat. And then it got just ridiculous because he was just getting wherever he wanted to on the court and backing whomever down and getting easy bunnies in close. But when you... When you double Jokic, the best player in basketball, not only is he going to find the open man, but he's going to find the right guy. And so you're leaving alone Michael Porter, you're leaving alone Jamal Murray, you're leaving alone Gordon, you're leaving alone KCP. I mean, pick your poison. You're going to pay, and he makes you pay. The Golden State Warriors at the end of that contest, if you were to look at their personnel, if you were to just to compare this personnel for personnel and part of the problem with the Golden State Warriors, is that if you looked at the Warriors' personnel, And you knew that they were going to jump Steph Curry. But who's Steph Curry going to give it to? And this is problematic with this team throughout the majority of this season as who offsets the scoring for Steph Curry. And you mentioned this off the top. And who's the number two? You looked at the Warriors personnel. Kevon Looney was out there, as was Wiggins. So whether it's Trace Jackson Davis and Chris Paul, or if it's Kevon Looney and it's Andrew Wiggins, or whatever combination thereof, Essentially, you have two non-scores on the floor. Mm-hmm. Two non-scores. And it makes it a lot easier to double-team or jump the Warriors star, Steph Curry, as opposed to double-teaming anybody on the Denver Nuggets. The Nuggets will make you pay. The Warriors just don't have the arsenal to make you pay. Well, and I don't think Denver necessarily has a ton of deadly shooters, although they can all make threes. But what they have is, even if they're not making threes, they have size. So they can get to the rim. Like they can attack the paint with relent with a relentlessness that the Warriors just can't match because they're the smallest team in basketball. I know people have made a lot of the fact that they are the number I think three team in rebounding despite being that small. Um, but to me, that's that doesn't really correlate with you know being able to defend the paint. And the Nuggets got to the lane at will in that basketball game. I'm with you. I think the personnel right now is. Probably a systemic issue for the Warriors that also leaks into a lot of the coaching decisions that are made. Because while it seems oftentimes like Steve Kerr might be guessing or he might be a rotation late or might be a minute late, I think a lot of that is a result of him not really knowing what he has beyond Curry on a given night. And even last night, like, you know, Kaminga made made the comments after the Denver game and after not playing the last 18 minutes of that game, he played 36 against Detroit. You know, I thought Kaminga was good. Um, he wasn't great. You know, I didn't think Clay Thompson was great against Denver. He wasn't great against Detroit. Wiggins certainly wasn't great in either of those games. So I'm with you. Like They don't have a second option right now that they can consistently rely on for either offense or defense. Like Right now, there's nobody on the Warriors that you can say, go out and guard that guy. 
one through three, one through four even, and that person is going to lock them up. I know even Kaminga, as great of a perimeter or on-ball defender as he is, sometimes can be taken advantage of. So he's, he might be their best option. But outside of Steph, and even Steph is you know kind of a, a one-side-of-the-floor player at this point in his career, Like you just don't have bodies right now that can match up with the cream of the crop, especially in the Western Conference, because I think everyone is looking up at Denver and saying, how do we beat that team? How do we match up with that team? And while the Warriors have played them down to the wire now three times, it becomes very clear that when it is crunch time, when it is time to go, that the Nuggets have more answers than the Warriors. And that, to me, shouldn't necessarily be a shock. Like, you saw Denver do it against Phoenix in the playoffs last year. You saw them do it, certainly, in the finals against Miami last year, against the Lakers last year, who beat the Warriors. The Denver Nuggets are a team that has chemistry, cohesion, as well as talent, and players in their prime. I don't know if the Warriors have those things, despite them having championship players. Um, And that's why I think, you know, as we move forward in Warriors this week, if we're looking at what we learned from this week, to me it is there does need to be some personal decisions addressed, uh, especially after you lose Chris Paul to a fractured hand. All right, let's open up the phone lines at 888-95795. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with h track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. 570, that's 888 888- Nine five seven nine five seven zero. Before we get to the break, let's just bring in Daniel, hanging out in the middle of the country, off to Indiana. Daniel, what's on your mind, man? That's me, man. Out here, I love I love listening to this station. Everything that you guys uh, put out is good quality uh, quality content. Just want to uh, start something off, you know, positive here. But uh, you know, I think you guys hit hit the nail on the head a couple of minutes ago, and it just it just kind of dawned on me, like they are matching 
energy with whatever team that they're playing. It doesn't matter if they're playing against a world champion and then they're up 20 or they're down by one with a minute and something to go against uh, a 30 loss team. Like the, the problem really, I believe isn't the amount of firepower or the, the amount of uh, artillery that we can throw at. Cause we have one of the deepest rosters in the entire NBA. The, the big issue is that we are imposing our will on the other team we see flashes of that when we go on, you know, a crazy third quarter run against the Denver Nuggets or, or, or whoever. We see flashes of what we are capable of if we have confidence and we try to impose our will. But we have to be willing to, to, to figure out, you know, the, the rotation, give guys the minutes that they need. Because, I mean, the number two option, Kaminga, by far. If you, if you compare him to Salcom, you're talking about point. Point zero seven points per minute less than Siakam, and and to me what that means is that over the course of thirty five minutes, if you extrapolate that, that's that's two point five points, right? Difference between the two players if you give Kaminga the minutes. Now, does that mean it's always going to be that way? No. But what I'm saying is that he hasn't even hit his upside yet. You know, these guys, the only one that seems to have confidence. Uh, you know, throughout the entire game is Kaminga. Uh, even Steph has, you know, he's got his head down. You see Clay beating himself up. See all these guys, they, they, they don't have the confidence to impose their will, but I think that they have the ability to run with any team in the NBA right now as it sits without anybody coming in. They have those guys, Pods, TJD, uh, I mean, even Looney to some degree, even though he's not giving you big production, still holds his own, and when those guys have that confidence and they're running at it and Pods is going nuts and, and you know, those guys are just going and their confidence is on swole, they are uh, outproducing the other team by fathoms. It's when they all of a sudden slow down and they don't know what's going on and, and they don't have that confidence in themselves and they're not imposing their will, but they're just trying to match the energy of the other team. That's why they have so many – Good stuff, Daniel, and a lot to chew on. we got to get to a break, but we want to discuss some of the things you touched on, including Jonathan Kaminga. The rest of the callers, including Sabal out in Richmond, the rest of you, lines are open, but we're filling up. 888 We're just getting started. Evan Giddings and Dan Avon Wars this week continues after this quick timeout. Now back to Warriors This Week on 95.7 The Game. Seven Giddings, it's Dan of Allen Warriors This Week as Golden State concludes another turbulent seven days with a victory over the Detroit Pistons. The Pistons came in as the worst team in the NBA, but still a game that was hanging right in the balance. What else would you expect? And the Warriors do pull it out. With a win by four, I think you mentioned that this is a team that leads the NBA in playing in 28 clutch games this year. A clutch game defined by, I believe, a, a game that's decided by five or less points. Is that correct? In the last five minutes, In the last yeah. five minutes of so the So at any point, if you're within five, it becomes a clutch game. And the Warriors, <laughs> uh, boy, yeah, they find themselves in a lot of clutch games, Dan, and they haven't been clutch all the time. I think they're like 500 in those games now, by the way, 14 and 14. An opportunity to get at 500 when they take on the Toronto Raptors right here on 95.7 The Game, beginning 
with the pregame show, and then tip is at 5.30. All right, the lines are backing up. We want to get back out and take some of the calls, beginning with Filmo Mike hanging out in San Francisco, one of our regulars. Filmo, what's on your mind this week? Hey, man, I'm not going to lie. First of all, Dan Devon, you give up real Keanu Reeves energy. You just remind me of Keanu Reeves. I don't know why. <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Uh, but but Steve Kerr, man, I'm not feeling Kerr this morning. I, I went to sleep. I called Evan last night, and I was like, man, there's something wrong with Kerr. He was talking connectivity all all offseason. He's capping. He has no post of the team. He has no post. He's, re, he's, he's coaching reactionary. Oh, he's mad. I'm going to put him in 36 minutes. Come on, bro. Kamiga didn't even have that great of a game. The game you're supposed to play in 36 minutes, man, you played him 18 minutes. No connectivity. The game you're supposed to play Moody in, you sat him down when he was on the heater. No connectivity. You know what Curry used to say? You know what Curry used to say? This is something that Curry used to say. You got to play with force. You got to coach with force. You coaching like a punk. I'm so mad at I don't what's wrong with him. He's a role player. He came off the bench for 15, 20 years. Don't you think that these players that were better than you need some need some need, need some type of rhythm, bro? Come on, man. Like I, I'm not feeling Kerr right now, man. I don't like the direction. I ain't liking it. His body language is is throwing me off. I don't know if he's if you tired, bro. Go sit down. Let 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 uh, the dude that used to coach the the New Jersey Nets coach. I forgot his name. But he was going to go to Charlotte. Let him Kenny coach, Atkinson, man. Yeah. Get up out of here, man. You acting late. I don't know what's wrong with Kurt. Something's wrong with him, man. He's caught in the Matrix. Keanu Reeves. His second Keanu Reeves reference. Filmo, way to bring it today because, you know what? The anger is understood. And I think it's uh, it is, it's not only understood, but it, but it comes with some level of validity when he's talking about. And I'm, I'm just going to assume that a lot of that passion – is what he did with Jonathan Kaminga. And I think that, as Filmo referred to, the 36 minutes that Jonathan Kaminga got last night, I think that's Kerr's way of saying that I made a mistake. Now, Mm -hmm. he he admitted publicly, after pulling Moses Moody, remember that game about a month ago against Sacramento, and he he put in Clay Thompson, and that was the first first indicator that, you know, you look a little too comfortable with your veterans. Why'd you pull Moody? He was playing so well. And then Steve Kerr publicly afterwards saying, you know what? That was on me. I think as a head coach, you can't say that too frequently because then it becomes, all right, well, if you continue to make these mistakes, well, then, you know, some people are already putting him on the hot seat, but that clearly is going to put you and your job in jeopardy. But that was him sort of indirectly saying, you know what, guys, I screwed up. He only played 19 minutes in a loss to the Denver Nuggets in which we squandered an 18-point lead, and I'm giving 36 minutes of run against the Detroit Pistons. How do you see it, Ev? Yeah, I, look, I'm I'm with Filmo, and we, to his point, we kind of discussed this on Warriors wrap-up last night. I do think Kerr has been more reactionary than any of his years as head coach. I also think he's had to be, because I don't think even, like, I don't know about you, Dan, when you watch this team, do you have any idea what consistently you're going to see from this group outside of Stephen Curry? There's no identity, aside from Steph. So... And some of that is on the head coach. Like, generally, teams follow their their leader. But Steve Kerr has always been someone that is pretty laissez-faire, pretty laid back. I mean, he he admitted pregame that his door is open 
more than any other head coach in the NBA. And to me, that was kind of a plea like, hey, you know, Kaming, instead of going public with this and telling your camp about yada yada, you know, come to me first. And Curry also mentioned that as well, which which we can, you know, kind of get into uh, later on. But I think sticking with Steve Kerr, he has been in the most difficult position he's ever been. And that's not an excuse. Like, I don't think he's responded necessarily well. But if you look at, like, we were talking about the macro, right? So if you look at all the decisions that he's made this year and you pile them up, I don't think if you looked at it now, you'd say, well, you know, Kaminga played 36 minutes against the Pistons. You know, that, that wasn't a bad thing. But again, it's that wasn't the spot for it. Like, Kaminga was scoreless in the second half and played and had three turnovers. Now, he's probably the Warriors' best option um, against a team like that that wants to get up and down the floor. But if Kerr is really the kind of coach that is going to have to ride hot hands and play with momentum. Like, Kaminga was, like, to Philmo's point, that wasn't the game for him to play 36. The game for him to play a lot was against the Nuggets. And for him to also come out and admit, Kerr I'm talking about, that he looked at the box score and said, huh, I didn't realize Kaminga only played 18 minutes. I think that means that Kaminga, up until the Denver game, just wasn't a priority for him. And that kind of is a problem. Because I don't know who's a priority for Steve Kerr right now in the Warriors. Outside of Stephen Curry, it appears Clay Thompson's a priority, but then sometimes he doesn't close games. I think Andrew Wiggins, he wants to be a priority because he's a champion, but he hasn't shown himself to play with any seldom uh, uh, form of consistency. So like, I don't know who Kerr prioritizes on a given night, and maybe the fact that they have so many injuries now to key rotational positions will help shrink that rotation, will help provide some clarity, and eventually get us to the point where we do have an identity for the Golden State Warriors because I don't think they're close right now, and I think it's a big reason why they're a game below 500. So I don't think Kerr has done necessarily a great job this year you know, righting those, those wrongs, but I also don't think it's been very easy for him to do so because you got so many question marks, you got so many different uh, agendas at different points this seasons. You got players that are getting suspended. You got players that are getting hurt. And I know that that's the real NBA, but it doesn't make it any easier. So you know, I'm not trying to come off and say like there's an excuse for Kerr, you know, being sticking himself into some games and and not coaching well. But gosh, I mean, like last night. And there's been multiple games like this this season, and even against Denver at points. When you have four, three or four of your players not playing well on the floor, it's not like you can just make a line change and say, hey, guys, go and get in there. Now, I think there's a question about, well, maybe if one player isn't playing well, could you replace them with Moses Moody, um, who is getting DNPs? There are players you can go to. But, I mean, th- this Warriors team, to me, has bigger problems than the coaching staff. Or... I should say the coaching staff is a part of the larger issue with the Warriors right now. They're a part of it, but I still maintain that this is a player's league. So to your point, it makes it a lot easier to prioritize players when they're going well. Like it's easy to say, okay, I'm going to play you because you deserve the minutes. Like the, you can make the decisions a lot easier on Steve Curry, Andrew Wiggins, if you just played better, right from Right from the jump. All right. Back out to the phone lines. Sabala's been hanging on for a while. Richmond, California. Sabala, what's on your mind today? Uh, thanks for taking the call. I love the show. And I love the Warriors. And it's just heartbreaking and so frustrating right now. Um, but one of the things that I just have observed again and again is 
They have no players who are in their prime, right? They have young players who have a lot of promise but are not fully fully developed. And they have older players who, you know, were superb a few years ago but are on the decline, you know, and I think I would put Steph in that same bucket. And what that means is, you know, there's no margin for error. Like, if any one thing starts to go wrong, then the whole thing starts to fall apart. And I don't know how you solve for that. Um, I, at times, I feel angry at Kerr, but I also have a lot of sympathy for him just because it's like this team doesn't have, they don't have players in their prime and they don't have like a hub of the wheel. You can't build a wheel without the hub. They don't have a core, you know, mentally, physically, in terms of skill, who's on the court, emotionally, like their quote unquote core players like Draymond are like popping off, you know, with anger, rage issues and, and then indefinitely suspended. How is anyone supposed to build this machine when you don't have like the essential framework in place? So I don't know. It's early in the season, I guess. And I like hearing the optimism at the top of the show. It makes me feel better as a fan and helps me just like take a beat, take a breath and cool down. But when you have just like a razor thin margin for error um, in the NBA, I don't know that it, I don't know how you pull together a great season when it's kind of like a house of cards. Sabala, boom, you're right on. When you talk about a team not in its prime, you can be more spot on. And let's go back to the Denver game and think about Denver when you talk about prime players. And a lot of this is just that's that's where you're at. And that's when that's when you win titles. When you look at their core three, you're talking about guys 25 to 28 years of age in the Joker, Jamal Murray, and Michael Porter Jr. The Golden State Warriors are either guys in their mid-30s that are beginning to descend down the bottom of the mountain, if you will, have already, you know, they've already peaked, and you can clearly see it aside from Steph, who's sort of an outlier physically, or they're too young in the Jonathan Kamingas and the Brandon Pajimskis who are just maybe two or three years away, and you don't have that sweet spot. There's maybe two players. Wiggins uh, is one of those that's in their, in the late 20s and sort of right in that. And Kavon Looney, although Kavon Looney oftentimes looks like a player who's a lot older than he is, but those are two guys that you would categorize being in their prime. Aside from that, the Warriors are one or the other. They're either too old or they're too young. No, I'm with you. And you even look at Wiggins and Looney, like, I guess logically you'd say at age 30, Wiggins is in his prime, but this is his 10th or 11th year in the NBA. Like, he's probably on the downside. Uh, he was in his prime two years ago, I believe, when he was playing his best basketball in the finals. And then Kevon Looney is a guy that is, he's only 27 years old, but some guys peak earlier than others. Kevon Looney was also uh, you know, a guy who came out of college as a freshman. He came to the league at age 19. He's dealt with some injuries early in his career. He looks like he's also kind of on the back end. So they might be the closest to their primes, but they're definitely, I would say, over the hill, so to speak. Meanwhile, the Nuggets, yeah, they're in the thick of things. Like Jamal Murray is playing the best basketball of his career. Nikola Jokic is maintaining the level that he set after his back-to-back MVP seasons. Michael Porter Jr. is peaking. Aaron Gordon certainly is a better player than he was a few years in Orlando. Um, yeah, no, that, that that's fair. But 
like, let me ask you this. I, I mean, and I'll throw this to the callers as well. Eight 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 nine five seven nine five seven zero. Are you expecting this team to make a run at a championship? Because as currently constructed, I'm not. And I think I was a bit optimistic entering the season that they might be able to challenge for the four seed. Like my goal for this team coming into the year was to get a home playoff series. That is looking increasingly less likely by the day. But it doesn't mean that I don't think that if Draymond comes back or GP2 comes back or even Chris Paul now is going to miss a lot of time, um, if the Warriors find a way to kind of, I guess, take advantage of the non-crowded roster just because of injury, I don't think it's out of the question to think that they could challenge for a six, uh, maybe even a five seed. And then you try and become a dangerous dark horse team in the playoffs and, and see what happens. Like I, I don't think the path is very clear for the Warriors to a title, but I think that's also where the trade deadline comes in. I think that there is a few weeks for the Warriors to experiment with certain lineups, a la Andrew Wiggins and Jonathan Kaminga, maybe Moses Moody. Like I think the Warriors need to find out what they have with their wings prior to the trade deadline. And they also need to figure out what direction they want to go in. Like, you're talking about primes, right? Okay, so the Warriors don't have any players in their primes. Which way do you want to go? Do you want to lean younger and try and invest in those players and their development so that when they do hit their prime, that you feel like you have a chance to compete? Or do you want to do what you did this offseason, which is continue to lean into the older guys by flipping a 23-year-old for a 38-year-old? Like, you do need to make a choice, and I think that's kind of what the trade deadline to me symbolizes, is a chance for the Warriors to either say, this season we are going to lean into our veterans and give them one last chance, or we're going to start to make moves towards the future. And you can also do that in the offseason, but I think you do need to give a direction to the, the franchise of which way this thing is going, because I think we're seeing that battle on a nightly basis with rotations and Steve Kerr, and there doesn't seem to be a real answer as to where the Warriors... Like, they're, they're stuck. You know, we talked about two timelines a lot for a long time. I don't think they have two timelines necessarily, but they certainly don't have one aligned timeline right now. Chris is in Oakland, California. Hello, Chris. Welcome aboard. Hey, how you guys doing, man? Good to talk to you, Devon. Good to talk to you, uh, Evan, man. Um, thanks for taking my call. I, I just wanted to go back and touch on what Filmo Mike was saying earlier and uh Kerr's indecisiveness and um I, I wholeheartedly agree he's coaching more reactionary especially with the lineups and I think that he's overthinking things I mean you know like earlier in the season before uh before it started he said that he had like six starters I mean I, I think that's where he started overthinking things I mean <clears throat> as far as identity goes we we know who the identity is it's it's Stephen Clay motion offense move the ball um, and as far as defense goes, it's, it's, it's defending without fouling, right? And we always had a closing lineup. We always had the death lineup, going back to Harrison Barnes, and then you sub in Barnes for um, KD and Iguodala. And then the most recent closing lineup was with uh, JP and, and, and Wiggins and, and um, Draymond Green. We don't have that this year. That's why we're losing these games at the end. We don't have, like, this closing lineup in Kerr just needs to be more decisive on who's going to be on the floor to win. <clears throat> and I'm, I, I'm just not sure what's going on with that. But uh, thanks, guys. Uh, have a good day. Um, peace. Chris, you know, you make a good point. You know, Ev, if this was nine on nine and you played six quarters and made Kerr's job <laughs> a lot easier, but every night it's like a, it's like a Cirque du Soleil juggling act, you know? 
he's throwing three chairs and four balls in the air because he's got to appease like 12 guys, which is not easy to do. And as much as you don't want to lose GP2 and you don't want to see Chris Paul go down with an injury, but in a weird way, inadvertently, it makes his job a little bit easier. Yeah, no, I'm with you because you got 30 more minutes now from Chris per, Chris Paul to redistribute per game. You probably got 15 minutes to redistribute for GP2, and then you were already dealing with uh, you know Draymond Green being out. So, yeah, it, it makes things a lot more clear. I don't necessarily know if it makes the Warriors better. Now, if you subscribe to the thought of, well, Steve Kerr is the reason why the Warriors are blowing late leads or his rotations are the reasons why they're losing these close games, well, then shrinking the rotation due to injury should help that because he shouldn't have the option to go to a vet in a certain spot or he shouldn't have the option to not play a particular young player. But I I don't think it necessarily gets rid of the larger issue, which is they're kind of a, a mediocre roster right now that is beginning to find out what they have in some younger players. But I don't think that those guys are necessarily ready yet to affect an impact winning basketball on a consistent night in and night out basis. Like, like Kaminga should have played the rest of the Denver game. There's or should have played at at some point in the last 18 minutes of the Denver game. That was a mistake. But we saw last night against Detroit, who's a three win basketball team. Kaminga played 36 minutes and and he was good. He was you know a contributing factor to why they won. But the reason why they won the game down the stretch is because Steph scored 14 of the last 16 points. It's because Klay Thompson had a couple of big key defensive stops down the stretch. Like, you still need your stars or your guys who have been there and done that to carry you. And to me, the Warriors go more than ever as Curry does. And while I love J.K., and I think Moody's a good piece as well, I think Pods is contributing. Um, TJD looks solid, especially in the second quarter last night, and had some good run against Denver. Like, those players are ancillary to the Warriors' stars. And right now, the Warriors' stars have been up and down as well. So we're questioning the rotations on on a nightly basis. But to me, it comes down to what Curry gives you. And if he can't give you consistently top five, top ten player, you know, level basketball, well, then I, I, I just don't think Kerr's going to be able to solve that issue. Like, I don't think Kerr mixing and matching and puzzle piecing games together is going to be the going to be the deciding factor. So I would love to see more of Kaminga. Uh, I would love to see any of Moses Moody, but I'm not expecting those guys to come in and be game changers. I think the way that people are expecting them to. Because at the end of the day, they're 21, 22 years old. They're not ready yet, to me, to carry a franchise. And I, I would hope that those players could be you know, third or fourth options. But the Warriors don't have, even have a number two option right now, which is a bigger concern to me. Oakland, California, once again. And Daryl joins us. Hey, Daryl. Hey, hey, guys. Thanks for taking my call, and good morning. Uh, you know, I, I'm listening to you talking. They don't really have... Uh, it, there's such a discrepancy between the, the older guys and the younger guys, and I think part of it is because they had a few drafts where it was hollowed out in terms of the Evans and the Patrick McCaws guys that would be in their prime right now. Well, we didn't, ha- we didn't have good drafts, and so we had a hollowed out time, and now we have some good players with TJD. These are long-term pods is really good, TJD and Jonathan Kaminga, right? That's, a, that's the future. And, I, I, you know, w- yeah, we have to rely on the, on the veterans, but Gosh, you know, they're not getting it done, and we need, we need the young guys to grow. And Pods, in particular, I'm a fantasy basketball guy. I don't know if you've noticed how good his numbers are, 
you're going to, I bet you anything, we're going to see a lot more of Pods. He's very good, and he's going to be the option, I believe, that's going to be, you know, coming on with the scoring option. And then one more thing about TJD, uh, we're going to see a lot of pick and roll. He has the best pick and roll maybe since Carl Malone. I mean, the guy can pick and roll. And so that's, that's what I want to see. I want to see TJD pick and rolls all day long. And so any thoughts on that? Yeah, he was very effective last night when you're talking about Trace Jackson Davis, who finished with 11 points, one shy of a double-double he had, the nine rebounds. But I want to say that all 11 points may have come off of the pick-and-roll, and I think the majority of which were all dunks for Trace Jackson Davis. But he is he's very good. Brandon Pajemski, very good. But I think to Ev's point, these are not what you would call star players as of right now. And even being very good role players for the future is going to be – Brandon Pajemski is – I think you're looking at the future leader of this basketball team, and, and that could be a lot sooner rather than later. This guy continues to impress, and no moment seems to be too big. But I think what you're referring to is that what the Warriors need is not – you need guys like Brandon Pajemski, certainly, and TJD, certainly – but who is going to score the basketball 18 to 23 points a contest not named Steph Curry? And that is up for grabs on every single game. <laughs> it's like some nights it could be – I think the most logical choice is probably Clay Thompson just because he's been that guy in the past. And during their five-game win streak uh, right before Christmas, Clay Thompson was on a heater and they were winning, and then he couldn't find water if he fell out of a boat and they were losing. So – you know, I think Steph also wasn't particularly great offensively, but you know those two guys to me are probably their ones and two. Um, Kaminga has shown an ability to be a second option offensively, but he's also uh, up and down. You know, I, I do wonder just how the the impact of his relationship with Kerr affects how he's playing. And he he said after the game that you know all is well. I love being in Golden State. Less than what, I think 12 hours after the article came out that he's lost faith in Steve Kerr and doesn't believe that he's going to be able to develop in Golden State under Steve Kerr. So my my question moving forward is, like, do you buy it? Do you buy that Kaminga is all of a sudden bought in? Because I think he's bought in when he plays 35 minutes, but what if he gets another 18 against Toronto on Sunday and the Warriors lose? You know, that, that noise becomes louder and the fire at Kerr's feet becomes hotter. Um, I don't think the Warriors have necessarily solved their issues, and last night's game, I think even though they won, still highlighted a few that they have, which I'm sure we can dig into on the other side. All right, when we continue, Steve, Steel Toe, Mark, Gerald, the rest of the callers, just stay with us. We just got to go to a break, sell a few things, and we come back. We'll continue the conversation with the Warriors and specifically Jonathan Kaminga, the X Factor once again this week as we roll along. Evan Giddings and Dan Avon Warriors this week back after this. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. 
It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up, and your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 